We're starting a brand new sermon series today called Behold the Savior is Born. And uh, I, I love this time of year. I love, I love Christmas. I do. Uh, I, I, I love seeing the lights go up. I hate getting the stuff down from the attic, which my wife <laughs> felt led to do yesterday after an eight-hour drive from Tennessee. Um, she was like, we need to get that stuff out of the attic today. I'm like, I can't wait. No, it's got to come down today. But I love seeing the trees up and the lights up and the stores playing Christmas music and uh, eating all the holiday goodies, which I'm going to have to kind of get back to my, my uh, right diet after this week at home with all the pies and cakes and food that they have. But it, it's a great time. It's a great time of the year. And, and today is also the first Sunday of Advent. And the word Advent means coming or arriving. And it's the season before Christmas. It starts like four weeks before Christmas, which is a time of expectation, waiting, anticipation, longing, looking forward. Advent links the past, the present, and, and the future. It looks back in celebration, in a celebration of hope at, at, at what that was fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ to earth. And at the same time, it looks forward to the future hope of, of the coming, the blessed hope of the return of Jesus Christ when he comes back for his people. Advent is all about hope. So I'm preaching today a, a message entitled, The Promised Hope. And for the next four weeks, we're going to be exploring how the birth of Jesus Christ brought us hope, brought us peace, brought us love and brought us joy. And on Christmas Eve, we're going to celebrate the arrival of Jesus Christ. And when I say Christmas Eve, I'm talking the day before Christmas because that day is Sunday. And for when that happens on a Sunday, we don't have our usual Sunday evening Christmas service. Our Christmas Eve service will be the normal service here on Sunday. And, but today we're going to talk about rediscovering the hope of Christmas. Even when we're surrounded by uncertainty. Unfortunately, with all this going on in our world today, many people, many people have lost hope for their future. Our world is fighting so many things, not just the wars that are going on, which cause people to feel helpless and hopeless, but we, we just came through a worldwide pandemic, and, and there's been endless threats of wars and terrorism, and it makes people feel hopeless about their future. And there's been all these uh, disasters happen, earthquakes happening all the time, and, and fires and floods, and that, that caused people to be hopeless about the future. Our, our nation has an ever-increasing division, it seems like, an ever-increasing debt that's so large it, it seems insurmountable, and that, that results in hopelessness. In fact, this will be the first generation in America, the first generation of Americans who do not have the hope of doing better than their parents financially. Young, young Americans, these new generations coming up, many of them are very pessimistic, many of them are, uh, about the future, and, and very hope, hopeless and helpless uh, about their future. I mean, I think about it when I was, when Deb, Deb and I, you know, got married very young. She was 17, I was 18. And by the time we were 21, we had two children, and I had a career. And, and by the time she was 22 and I was 23, we owned a home. It, that, that, that's just the way it was for us. And now, now when somebody is 23, the, the prospect of owning a home is pretty tough. We bought our first house. It was over in Oak Cliff, close to the lighthouse in Western Park. It was for like $45,000. 
You know, it was, uh, you're not going to find a house for that anymore. And uh, it's hard. And so for for people to get established, it's tough. And so hopelessness seems like a, a, a kind of a pandemic these days. And that's because of this. I want you to always remember this. People who live their lives without God will always be without hope. Ephesians 2.12, Paul was talking about what our lives were like before we came to Christ. And he said, you lived in this world without God and without hope. Those two things always go together. Without God, you will have no hope. They go together. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we should always have hope. 1 Peter 1.3 says, in his great mercy, God has given us a new birth. What did he birth us into? Into a living hope. We became a new creation in Christ. Yes, he birthed us into the fact that we're going to go to heaven when we die. Yes, but he birthed us into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's good news. Now, y'all, y'all are going quiet on me now. You, we started this, this, this service off with a song that says, I won't be quiet. And you promised me you're not going to be quiet in this service. Okay. Thank you. Listen, when we, when we have faith in Jesus Christ, when we're born again into his family and born again by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're born into a new way of life. We're born into a new family called the family of God. We're born into a, a, a living hope, not a hope that comes and goes, but a living, lasting, life-changing hope. And far too many people have stopped hoping for their future. And, and listen, when you give up hope, it becomes its own self-fulfilling prophecy. Because you won't be believing for good things. You won't be hoping for good things. You'll be expecting bad things to happen. And when you lose hope, you stop pursuing God. You lose the will to fight. And your mind can become a dangerous place when you lose hope. That's, that's, that's when that suicidal spirit has entrance, when people lose all hope and, the, and, and life seems hopeless. Listen, without hope for the future, listen, without hope for the future, you'll have no power in the present. Without hope for the future, you will not have motivation. You will not have endurance. But we're born into a living hope, so we need to learn how to live in hope. Now listen, I submit to you today, hopelessness is not a result of circumstances. It's a result of misplaced faith. And when you're trusting other people to fix your problems or governments to fix your problems, or a company to fix your problems, you're doomed to hopelessness. If, you trust in, if you're trusting in the government, the, the government to fix everything, you're doomed to hopelessness. If, if you're trusting in yourself to get it all fixed, you're doomed to hopelessness. Psalm 118, 8 through 9 says, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord to, than to put confidence in princes. Hope comes from having a faith in something bigger than ourselves. Someone once said, there's, there's no hopeless situations. There are just people who have grown hopeless about their situation. Biblical hope, by the way, is not wishful thinking. Man, I hope so. I, I hope it happens. You know, I, it's, not, it's not wishful thinking. Listen, biblical hope is faith for the future. 
It's faith for the future. It's confidently believing that something will happen in the future to the point you prepare for it. What are you preparing for? Now, before the coming of Christ, before this Christmas story happened, for thousands of years, people were preparing and expecting the Messiah to arrive. And Old Testament prophets had written about this future day when God would send a a Savior, a Redeemer, a a Deliverer to his people, and he would make a way for them to be healed from the devastating effects of sin. And many people were looking for the Messiah, but when he came to earth, they did not believe in him because he arrived in an unexpected way. He wasn't what he thought, what they thought he was going to be. They were hoping for a king who would overthrow the Romans who were ruling over Israel. But instead, they got a baby in a dirty stable in Bethlehem. If they only knew that that baby would be the ultimate source of hope and life and joy for all people. But most people missed out on it. And many people miss out on it today for the very same reason, because they're looking for him to be something different than who he is. And we think, you know, people think they have it so bad today. And there are things that are bad. But think back to Israel in these times in Bible days, even during the time when Jesus was born. Israel, like much of the world, was under the, was a defeated nation under the harsh thumb of the Roman Empire. It was a very tough time to live. It was a time of where they were, had been uh, defeated. And it was a time of, of a brutal ruling over them. And it, it had been thousands of years since the time of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the calling of God's people to the land. It had been thousands of years of being invaded and conquered by enemies like the Assyrians, the, the Babylonians, the Greeks, and the Romans. It had been generations of this promise of the Messiah who would make things right for God's people. The coming of the Messiah would come to make everything right, and that wasn't just an an occasional happy idea or wishful thinking that floated in and out of people's minds. It was was the very part of their consciousness and their their culture. It was their deepest hope that, that sustained them, encouraged them, and spurred them on, even through thousands of years of uncertain waiting. They clung on to the promise of God with hope, even though it took a long time to arrive. Now, I want to talk about two of those people from the Christmas story today, two that held on to hope. In Luke 2, right after the birth of Jesus, the Joseph and Mary took Jesus. It was not right after. There was a little time. But they took Jesus to Jerusalem to dedicate him to the Lord. And verses 25 through 38 say this. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit... He went into the temple courts. The Holy Spirit told him, you need to be up there today. Something's going to happen. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, that's dedicate him and make an offering for him, Simeon took him, Jesus, in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He's saying, I'm ready to come home, Jesus. I'm ready to come home. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light up for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, and then Simeon blessed them. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the, bri- of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her hus- husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Now listen, she never left the temple. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day. Praying, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment. She was there the very moment Simeon took up the baby Jesus and blessed him and blessed the parents. At that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, I want you to think about this. Almost everybody else in this Christmas story required some convincing about the whole arrangement. Some of them needed dreams. Some of them needed visitations from angels, but not Simeon and Anna. Did you notice here in Luke's account that neither Simeon nor Anna seemed the least bit surprised about the fact that this baby Jesus was a long-promised Messiah? Everyone else in the whole story seemed surprised by the coming of the Messiah or they didn't believe it at all. But not Simeon or Anna. They were filled with hope and that hope made them ready. They were ready for the moment who came because they were watching, they were waiting, they were listening, they were expecting, they were hearing from God and they expected God to do what he promised. They believed for this, they were living for this, they were waiting for this, they were hoping for this. Now think about them. Both Simeon and Anna lived and experienced many things, and a lot of them were tough. They were too were experiencing the pain of living under the Roman occupation of Israel. Anna had been a widow for decades, and they both lived in faith, and they both lived in hope in God, and they rejoiced, and they celebrated, and they infused hope into people around them, including Mary and Joseph, who I'm sure were still figuring out what it meant to be the earthly parents of God's Son, Jesus Christ. I'm sure this was such an encouraging word to them that, they, that yes, this truly is who God said he is. And what is it, though, that caused Simeon and Anna to have such hope? As I was praying about this week, I said, what, what was it about them? What was it? And I saw something in this one phrase from Simeon in Luke 2.29 where he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation. And out of that phrase, six words jumped out at me. Sovereign Lord, as you have, is that prom- seven words? One, two, three, four. Okay, so I'm, I must be counting syllables. <laughs> Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. Now, this is how it works for me when I'm preaching. God gives me the phrase like that, and I'm, I'm starting to think, okay, God, what is it in that phrase? You, that phrase is jumping out at me. What, what is it on that? What is it that you want me to say? What's the point here? And here's the point God gave me. This is my first point. Hope is based on the character and promises of God. Get this down. Hope is based on the character of God. Simeon had hope because he had 
trusted the character of God. He knew God was sovereign. To be, so to be sovereign is to be Lord. That means God rules and reigns over everyone and everything. God is not limited by anything. He is the Lord. He's on the throne. He is in control. In addition, he knew that God is always good, and he knew that God works out everything good for, for, for his glory and our good. He trusted in the character of God. And, and you know, I, I, Romans 8, 28, I, which I just quoted to you, you know, God works all things out for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It's my favorite verse in the Bible. And God ingrained that verse in me many, 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 many years ago. And, and I believe that's why I'm a hope, hopeful person and not a, a pessimistic person and why, why I have faith for the future because here's what I know, and I've, I've been around enough years to know, even if I go through something tough, I don't lose hope. Because my hope's not in the circumstance. And I know that God has promised that he's going to work all things out for my good. Even in that situation. So I'm going to have hope no matter what I go through. Okay, God. I don't see how you can do it, but I've seen you do it before. You're a God of miracles. Even what the enemy means for harm, you're going to work it for my good. We can have hope because we trust the character of God. In addition, he has given us his word. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. 2 Peter 1, 4 says, because of his glory and excellence, God has given us great and precious promises. Because of his glory, because of his excellence. Notice how his, his character and his promises always go together. Because of who he is, he gave us promises. Uh, we see it also in Psalm 138 too. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness. That's his character. And for your truth. That's his promises. You have magnified your word above all your name. Why has God magnified his word above his name? What does that mean? Well, think about it. If you get a reputation of not keeping your word, what do we say? You got a, he's got a bad name. You get a bad name. It's not that your name, Joe, is a bad name, but it means people don't believe your word. You're not a person of your word. So God puts an emphasis on magnifying his word, watching over his word. Jeremiah 1.12, I'm watching over my word to perform it. God's name is good because God keeps his word. And that gives us boldness because God is watching over. That gives us boldness to believe God's word and that gives us hope. Now listen to me closely. If you lose your hope, two things you need to do. Examine your faith in the character of God. Examine what you think the character of God is. Do you believe he's good? Do you believe he's good all the time? Do you believe he's sovereign? Do you believe he loves you? Do you believe, he, do you believe he's going to work all things out for your, for your good? Examine what you believe about his character and then your faith in his character and then examine your faith in the promises of the word of God. Because as long as we know that God is good, and as long as we know that God is working all things out for our good, as long as we believe in God and believe in his word, we will always have hope. As I was reading through this this morning, as I do every Sunday morning, 
before I'm preaching, I always go back through it. God gave me this. I wrote it down. I'm sitting there eating my cereal for breakfast. (laughs) Here's what God told me. Before you hope for something, you must put hope in someone. Before you hope something, for, for something, you've got to have hope in someone. And most of our hope is totally based on hoping for something, something to happen, something good to happen, something bad to stop happening. We're hoping for that. But that's going to get you nowhere if you don't first have hope in God, hope in his goodness, hope in his character, faith in his goodness, hope in his word. You've got to have that. Romans 15.4 says everything written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. This Bible was written to give us hope. And as long as we believe his word, we have hope. So when we stop trusting God, when we stop trusting in his goodness, when we stop trusting in his faithfulness, when we stop trusting in his love, or we stop trusting in his word, we have nothing left to hope in. So I want to encourage you to be like Simeon and be like Anna, who trusted in God's character and trusted in God's word. They trusted that there was a promised hope, and they never gave up on it. Simeon and Anna teach us a few other things about hope and its power that we can apply in our lives. Second thing they, they teach us, not only is hope based on the character and promises of God, but hope sees beyond Hope sees beyond what's happened in the past. Hope sees beyond what's happening in the present. That, that, that's why hope is the fuel for, for faith. No matter how bad your year has been, no matter what struggles you faced or what you're facing now, no matter what kind of season or, or darkness you, or pain you're in, let me encourage you not to abandon hope. You've got to see beyond the pain, see beyond the darkness, see beyond what, whatever you're going through. Hope is still alive, even in our deepest pain, even in hopeless circumstances. Hope chases away the darkness. Hope chases away the uncertainty. Hope is alive because God is with us. Romans 8, 24 through 26 says, says this, for in this hope, We were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes in what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in in our weakness. Let me read that part again. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? Hope exists. Listen, hope exists before the reality comes to pass. I think, thinking of Christmas, I think back when I was a kid, you know, and there would be presents under the tree. And I, I always had things I was hoping for, asking for, believing for, pleading for, doing warfare for, <laughs> fighting for my parents over it. I, 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 I had hope. But as soon, you know, and I would tell him, oh, I'm hoping to get this. I'm hoping to get a bike. I'm hoping to get this. I'm hoping to get that. I'm hoping to get a drum set. I'm hoping to get a guitar. I always wanted those kind of things. Uh, but as soon as I opened that gift on Christmas Day, the need for hope was gone. 
I now have the reality of gift, uh, of the gift. Could you see me going to my parents, you know, after I'm riding around all day on a new bike and said, oh, I'm still hoping for a bike. And they said, well, what's wrong with you? You got a bike. <laughs> hope, listen, by its nature, hope exists in what seems like uncertainty before we receive it. It's there all the time. I just haven't seen it yet. And I love the Amplified version of Hebrews 11.1. 1. Listen, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Hope is the willingness to believe beyond our present circumstances and reality. And faith, now, now faith, not in the future, now faith is the title deed of things you hope for. Listen, you might think you own a ca the car that you're making payments on, but miss a few payments and the real owner will show up. He got the title deed. It's not until you pay that car off that you get the title deed. But in God's kingdom, Talking about God's kingdom today. Faith gives us a title deed for what we hope for before we even see it. And we can know it's ours before we ever see it. In fact, we must know it's ours before we ever will see it. Faith is a title deed. Hope is a title deed. You've got to have the faith. You've got to see it. Now listen, I included the beginning of verse 26 in our Romans reading because it, I think it's vitally important in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness because that leads me to my third point. God is with us here, now, and always. One of the names of Jesus was Emmanuel. They say you will call his name Emmanuel. The Hebrew word meaning God with us. Whenever you see L in a word in the Bible, E-L, that's God. So the rest of us are going to tell you something about who God is. And when creation cried out for help. God did not tell us, get your act together and then I'll come close to you. But God saw that we needed rescue. He saw that we could not save ourselves. He saw that we were beyond hope apart from him. And so he made the first move and came to us. Paul tells us in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus did not come to earth for us because we deserved it. He did not come because we earned it. He, became, he came because he loved us and knew, he knew we could not save ourselves. We couldn't get our ourselves out of the mess we're in and we needed him we needed a savior we were beyond hope without him but it was the knowledge of god the 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 that he would one day come for his people that kept the people in the old testament was going it's what inspired their hope and today we are inspired because he has already come just as it was foretold and some people are uncertain that god is with us and because of that nothing will, for them will ever get better but with God, if you have God with you, there is no uncertainty. God knows your pain. He knows your challenges. He knows your struggles. God was not surprised by a t pandemic. He was not surprised by a war in Israel. He's not surprised when there's economy issues. He's not surprised when you go through anything. He sees you. He is there. He is Emmanuel, God with us, and that fills us with hope. A hope fanned within us is, by, is the hope of the Holy Spirit, even in our weakness. We have hope. 
God gave me this verse. It's not on the this, this, on this PowerPoint because he gave it to me this morning. As I, again, as I was reading this, the scripture came to me. I want to read it. This is Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope, he is the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing. If you're not believing, you're not going to have any peace. If you're not believing, you're not going to have any joy. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope's not something you work up on your own. Hope is something that you, you get that is empowered in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Even when you are weak, he is strong. When we feel too weak to carry on, when we feel like our, our grasp is slipping, even uh, we can't even hold on to, to hope and we keep slipping away from us, the Holy Spirit is in us and his spirit gives us hope. It empowers us to hope, reminding us of God's faithfulness, reminding us of God's promises, and God's Holy Spirit leads us into his word and he reminds us of all the things that God has done for us, reminds us of who God is, and reminds us of all the things God has promised us that he will do. Our God, who is Emmanuel, God with us, has promised to give his people hope. Listen, here's one verse, Isaiah 43, 1 through 2. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Those kind of scriptures, those kind of promises give us hope that no matter what we go through, he didn't say you're not going to go through fire. He didn't say you're not going to go through water. He said, but if you go through it, I'm going to be there with you. You'll never be alone. I have come to you. I'm Emmanuel. God with you you every step of the way that's why fourthly and lastly hope inspires us to carry on anna and simia they 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 carried on through the tough time for a long time why because they had hope day after day week after week month after month year after year they served god faithfully inspired and fueled by hope that they that they would see god uh, fulfill his promise even though they couldn't see it then even if they were surrounded by hardship even as time passed and they grew older and older and older and time kept passing by they still held on to hope Anna and Simeon set their focus on God they worshipped him continually they served him they hoped in him they listened to his voice they believed his promises and and, and they got hope that sustained them to, uh, to carry on until they saw the fulfillment of it. The Apostle Paul described the cycle of hope to us like this in Romans 5, 2 through 5. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our tribulations because we know that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Listen, when you're hope, when you have a hope from God, it will never cause you to be embarrassed. That hope from God will never put you to shame. It will not let you down. It will not disappoint you. Instead, it will give you new and growing strength to see beyond what you're going through, to see what's out in front of you. God wants you to see what he has for you that's yet to 
come. And, and sometimes it feels impossible to take the first step towards hope because we're so weighed down with some kind of a burden in our life. But when we receive the promise of hope in God's Word, we receive power from the Holy Spirit. And when we accept the power that God gives us by His Spirit, we find new inspiration. And when we hope in the new in God's Word, it gives us strength. And when we focus on the power of hope found in Jesus Christ through his birth, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his soon return, we discover new strength to take the first step. Hope inspires us. Hope gives us boldness. Hope gives us courage. Hope builds on hope. Hope builds us up. Hope keeps us going no matter what. And in the midst of whatever life is throwing at us, we can experience hope that gives us strength to take the next step and to carry on because we know the character of God. He is good. He is faithful. He, we know the word of God. We know God is watching over this word to perform it and he will make it right and he will do what's right and he will work all things out for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, God, for your word. And I pray right now for every one of us. Lord, I pray for every single one of us this prayer that Paul prayed in Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Not just a little joy, not just some joy, all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we're believing for this. We're believing for this in our lives. We're believing for this in our church, that you would fill us with hope and joy and peace and faith. Lord, that we would abound in hope. We would have an abundance of hope. We would overflow with hope. Lord, we would not be short of hope. We would have an abundance of hope by the power of your Holy Spirit. Would you impart that gift of hope, I pray, in Jesus' name.